Hello, hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers Sunday Sermon. This is 4S. I'm David Johnson. And I'm joined by Sarah. How are you, Sarah? Good. How's it going? Excellent. Couldn't be better. I have never been better in my life. Fair income. What? What did you call me? N never Fair mind. No, no, no. I, I don't want to know. Oh, it's Australian. But, but please stop calling me that. Um, yeah, so we've got something to talk about today. We are going to be going through, well, it's not quite a sermon, is it? It is no, a speech. Coming out. Coming out. Yeah, but it, it's still a speech from an apologist who used to speak a lot, right? Uh, we're talking about Tyler Vela. Tyler Vela. I, I was saying Tyler Vela, but I heard him say his name uh, once and uh, realized I was wrong. Tyler Vela. And he has made some waves over the internet. I've been half following his story for a little while. And then uh, I believe it was our very own Tyler from the boards uh, threw it on the board. And I just said, okay, well, I'm not, I wasn't really ready to do this one yet, but I guess he's forced my hand. I'm going to have to do this uh, because we're going to start having conversation around it. And I want to go ahead and do this video and talk about it a little bit before the conversation really got stirring on SNS. And uh, I wanted to save this conversation, especially for your week of doing this, because, well, I think there's no one that I would rather talk about deconstruction uh, issues with than you. I don't exactly know why that is, but uh, you do seem to have a, a particular sensitivity on this, uh, on this topic. Okay, let's see what we can do with him. Except that all I can say is I agree 100% with what he says pretty much all the way through. So we'll see. Uh, well, we you see, I have some surprise. Meet off the I, I have some surprise disagreements with him. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, but, but little, very, very uh, small ones and very few. Uh, but I will say I understand him. So to set this up, Tyler Vela is or was a Calvinist um, who was very, very popular on the internet. I don't know if he was Matt Delahunty popular, but he was very popular, uh, a very popular internet apologist. He's very smart, very well-spoken. And um, just what seems like out of the blue, this this person who you know, has many, many public debates and conversations as a Christian, as a Calvinist, suddenly came out with, I, I'm not a Christian anymore. Now, that's not the same as he's an atheist. He's not an atheist. Uh, but he uh, is not a Christian anymore, and he's made that public. Uh, he has deconverted and is publicly deconstructing and that was just, that's, that's one of those things that rocked the internet, at least our corner of the internet, a little bit. 
Um, I didn't know Tyler Veller, Tyler Vella's work, uh, very well, but here's one thing I do know for uh, like a couple of months. I, I think the time frame is, uh, two months or, or more, somewhere in that time frame, he had already come to the decision in his mind that he was no longer a Christian. And yet he was still appearing on shows, still defending the faith during a time when he has later acknowledged that he no longer believed. A lot of people have pushed back against that and said, Oh, well, he's, he was lying. Uh, he's a, he's a hypocrite. I'm actually going to push back against that pushback, but I'll do it later in the show. Uh, I would, I would actually defend him. I know that I felt a certain way at the time that I found this out. Uh, and there were people on shows with him during that period who knew who, whom he had confided with, who knew that he was no longer a believer and they were still doing their shows as if he was a believer. Uh, so before we jump into this speech and we're going to, we're going to take his entire speech, uh, and I'll interrupt it accordingly. Do you have anything to say about that particular aspect? Yeah. I mean, the poor guy's probably changing entire worldview. So, I mean, if there's a transition period where, yeah, he sort of knows that that's what he believes, but it's not quite cemented in yet. You know, it's, I think you can't, it's probably going through the motions, it's lying a little bit, but, you know, I'm sure people who've identified as LGBT and haven't quite come out to their family and have kind of pretended that they're straight for a little while, longer than they should and all that kind of thing, it's probably very similar, so I think you just have to cut him some slack, I don't think he, he means it as a, a an absolute deception, but... You know, there's this, there's a period where you're, it's probably with hindsight that he's sure that he didn't believe two months ago, but at the time, he's probably still working it out. Yeah, I think the difference between the LG, LB, LGBT analogy is that L, the LGBT. <laughs> LGBT. LGBT. Right? They exist, David. They exist. Um, the, the difference is they're as a rule not going around telling people that uh, homosexuality and or queerness is bad and evil, you know, so they may be secretly queer, but they're not by and large taking a hypocritical stance. They're just in the closet. It would be different. So if, if there was someone who was telling people, Oh, let's say um, Franklin Graham as a, you know, a, a crazy far out example, uh, we're preaching against the evils of homosexuality. And yet you find out that he's secretly homosexual. Let's but just say that that's the rigor. I mean, Ted Haggart, I mean, it's not exactly what he got caught with his pants down with some lad when he's been preaching against homosexuality. So it happens quite a lot, but right. Um, but that, but you see, that would be uh, a problem. And yeah, the problem, yeah. right. And, and so I think that, you know, just defending, uh, my LGT friends, uh, and those who might still be, uh, in closets, there's nothing wrong with being in a closet and not telling the world your preferences. Uh, but what Tyler did 
He wasn't in a closet not telling the world his preferences. He was pretending to believe something that he didn't. Even with, even then, even then, I'll still defend him, <laughs> but I'll defend him a little bit later. Um, let's take a look at this. This is really interesting. And I just also want to let the audience know before we get going here, there are two more of these. And so uh, Sarah will be joining me every second week uh, this year and for the rest of her natural life um, on the show. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to, we're going to deal with more Tyler Vela. I'm going to Vela. I'm going to save those, especially for our conversations, but this is the one that kicked it off. And so you have to put yourself in the mindset of people who had been listening to Tyler, who were friends with Tyler, uh, who, who knew him, uh, well, and then suddenly boom, this happens. Some upswings has been generally downward and away from any okay. religious faith. Or that commitment. is not, you know, I, I really, that's not how it's supposed to start. Let's do it again. Hello. What I'm about to say has been pulled mostly from announcements recently made on my social media platforms with slight modifications and additions. It has become rather obvious to me from various events in my life that it's time to make public what my family and many friends knew already in private. The past year has solidified many things in my life and has also shown me that many things which I thought were solid were not. For the past two years, I've been on a somewhat of a roller coaster with God and faith and religion. And that trajectory, while having some upswings, has been generally downward and away from any religious faith or commitment. My reasons for this are presently my own, though I will touch on some here. And I know speculations and accusations will come, though I think most will be loving, albeit disappointed. Yet I'm reminded of the sayings, to thine own self be true, and to go against conscience is neither right nor safe, and all that jazz. However, about a year ago, I was given some sage advice to not blow up the ship unless I was certain I had to. I'm at that point, and others have noticed the dichotomy and have started asking questions about it, which indicated to me that it's probably time to go public. I normally wouldn't, but since many of you have found your way into my life via my public appearances or only know me through that, I thought it only fair. And for those who have not noticed the shift, I apologize in advance that this comes as a shock, especially to some of you with whom I'm close to and have not shared this with already. I thought it important to add this to the YouTube and podcast uh, channels and, and feeds as well, since many watch or listen, but don't follow me on social media. So with that, I'm announcing at this time that I no longer feel comfortable identifying as a Christian. Okay. So uh, I'll pause there for just a moment just to emphasize this uh, because we, we might speak later. And I know that when I talk about this uh, just to myself, I, I sometimes call him an atheist or non-believer or something like that. He's not a non-believer. He is still a theist. Uh, in the same way that David Kimball Cook is still a theist. He's an unbeliever. He's a non-Christian. He's, uh, but he is a theist of some kind. And Tyler is also a theist of some kind. And there may be, uh, in the future, more explanation of what kind of theist he is, but he's not the kind of theist that 
Christians would be interested in. You know, he'd be more the kind of theist that maybe a Hindu is. Uh, and so most, most Christians wouldn't credit that with meaning anything. So, uh, let me, let me just ask you, Sarah, are you some kind of theist? I've no idea. I didn't identify as any of it. I just, I, I had no idea how far this guy's in and how long he's been kind of, he says two months of kind of being a bit vague. Yeah, actually, so like two years. I'm fine with that, but I don't know how long he's, or how big a following he's got, what he's been saying. I didn't realize he, actually, I do remember he said he was a Calvinist, but, um, or that he's specifically, you know, scaring people with the, the whole elect sort of story and then in secret kind of deconverting. Because that's a, a wee bit, um, you know, Ravi Zacharias, um, Zachari, Zachari, um, kind of similarities in terms of being a bit of a hypocrite. If that's yeah, you could you could you could level that at him, I suppose. But uh, yeah, I didn't. I don't know. I mean, I just take him as somebody just coming out of the closet, uh, who's having to be honest because it's it's getting too big to bear, and uh, and he maybe still has some residue beliefs. Um, and as for me, I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just agnostic mostly. Okay, so you're agnostic, which is not a denial of the possibility of a god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a question anymore, really. It's not um, something you need to necessarily. I mean, yeah, it's a question. Well, I'm, I'm just very vague about it. Um, it's something you can toy around with, but I don't, I don't need to have to work it out. Yeah, anymore. when I, uh, I can show you now. When I uh, realized that I lost my Christianity, I was still a theist, mm -hmm. uh, at least for a while. Uh, you know, I, I believed that there still had to be some kind of God. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was, that was foundational to me. Um, that was mother's milk for me. And I, I didn't know how to think of the world any other way. And, you know, I'd been arguing, uh, the, existence of God for a long time. I had uh, been studying apologetics. Uh, and so even though everything around that God belief fell apart, I still hung on to some kind of God belief that still made sense to me uh, in the state that I was in at the time. So I would not have been agnostic at all. Uh, I would have been a theist. Uh, I, I knew there was a God. I just also knew I didn't know anything about this God. <laughs> so every, everything I knew was wrong and I, I didn't have any framework for figuring out what the truth was because, uh, in losing my faith in Christianity, I also lost my faith in the Bible. And as it turns out, that was pretty much everything I knew about God. So mm -hmm. I was kind of a blank slate w while hanging on to God. So I, I actually, feel where Tyler is right now. And I don't know how long he will be here. I don't know if he will always be in this state. Uh, and he's going to, you know, make a, a bit of a defense for, you know, his belief in God. But I would just say anyone listening to that, take it with a grain of salt. A, a lot of people who walked out the door didn't walk out the door because they stopped believing in God. They stopped believing in the Bible and the tenets of faith and that Christianity had anything right. They stopped believing in the infrastructure around God. They didn't necessarily stop believing in God all at once. So, uh, no, and 
it's actually easier to define what you don't believe in. So, for example, the even evangelical Christian model kind of conservative thing, I can quite categorically say I don't believe in that. That's fine. I can. Uh, it's easier to define it by what you don't believe in rather than what you do believe in. Mm-hmm. And also, for it's stepping stones, isn't it? You can't just let go of a God belief like in one go. You let go of the evangelical aspect or some really hard-line doctrines and slowly, bit by bit, you'll kind of step away and probably go down a materialistic or idealistic view one way or the other after that but I think it takes time I think all these things take time and I think you're not in the same page in every aspect of your view of it at any one time it's not just binary on and off it's like sometimes I do believe sometimes I don't sometimes I would like to believe so do I still and you know I think it's just it's just we're we're more complex than just a binary I believe in God and then we start this you start throwing up things like well what is god and what do, what do you mean by god and and it all becomes a bit <laughs> flim flammy and you have right. to roll with it well and i think the poor guy's just decided that he realizes evangelical christianity slash calvinism the worst kind the is worst. um something he doesn't want to, to to pursue and all that doesn't resonate with him anymore and he's probably still finding his way so let's right see what Okay. Uh, one other thing uh, before we hit play again, uh, we can observe that Tyler is in a unique position. You know, he had a platform on the internet, an internet platform, which he still has, by the way. Um, he had an internet platform and an audience of people uh, that he could talk to very easily all the time. And so when he makes this change, uh, he can do this kind of public uh, denunciation of faith, but most of us, when I say us, I mean the community of people that I know, uh, who have deconverted and are in the, you know, on the various phases of deconstruction, uh, that we are, didn't have that nice, clean opportunity. Most people don't have that nice, clean opportunity to make a, a clean break. I mean, one day, maybe you decide to stop going to church. You know, you've been going to church every week and then, you know, every other week and then once a month. And, you know, you, you've come to grips that you don't believe anymore and you don't really need this community anymore. And so you stop going and that's just it. You just stop going. There's no announcement. There's no way to tell the world that you have deconverted. And if there was a way, you probably wouldn't avail yourself of it. You just slip quietly off the rolls of your, your uh, local congregation. And so the internet has made this all very different. Um, people can, people do have ways to, to address their deconversion publicly and to, uh, find communities to talk about it and decompress, um, this, this religious burden, uh, that they have had. So there is a, there is a difference there. There are people, the vast majority of people who deconvert and no one ever knows it. And then there are these conversations, which are only possible really in, in our time when the internet is prevalent and when there's so much, uh, focus on, uh, religion and non-religion. And I think that it, the, the decline of religion also makes this a very important time for people to, to be able to have a voice on this subject. So Tyler, 
uh, is really kind of in a unique position. And even though when I deconverted, I was a little bit early to the game, uh, I went and made a blog. It's called Beyond Religion. You can still find it. Um, kind of talking about my thoughts and my journey out loud, out loud. My parents found out about my deconversion through that blog. They didn't read it themselves. One of our friends saw it. I used to link my blog to my Facebook page. <laughs> that might have been stupid. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's that's how that happened. So if you're out there and you're thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going through this too, but I'd like to talk about it and I'd like, um, you know, to maybe have a, a non-judgmental community to share this with skeptics and seekers dot squarespace.com. You can shoot me an email skeptics and seekers at gmail.com. I answer every one of them. Let's hear from Tyler. At least not in the intrinsic evangelical or religious sense. Philosophical theist, sure, possibly even theistic humanist of the Renaissance variety, even a theologically conservative reformed philosophical theist at that, as confounding as that may sound to many who are in the know and reformed or even just systematic theology. Beyond this, I do not have all the answers. Yeah, by the way, I didn't understand any of that word soup he just uh, <laughs> said. <laughs> For most. All I can do is put a sign on the steeple which reads, Church Closed, and a sign on me that reads work in progress or close for renovation. I fought for a long time against the growing tide of doubts and reservations and honestly apathy and discontent, but found at the end of the day that the more I fought, the more acute they became. Like an existential Chinese finger trap for which the more I struggled to free myself from, the worse it became. For those who may be bold or crass or just curious, I'll address some of the concerns. No, this is not due to some deep unrepented of sin or addiction. No, my Calvinism or determinism didn't drive me to it in some fatalistic dash. In fact, they kept me motivated and seeking God and committed to a sanctified effort far longer than I would have had I not held those views. And by the way, I'm still a compatibilist. <clears throat> and no, I'm definitely not an atheist. No, I don't hate the Bible. I th don't think religion poisons everything or any of that nonsense. I lost my faith, not my brain. I, this is my least favorite line of the entire thing. Um, if you are an atheist, if you're th the place where you disbelieve is that you no longer believe that God exists, that doesn't mean that you've lost your brain. Right? Th that you don't have to go there. And I, I understand that he's, he's in this place. I was in this place, too. I might have said the same thing. I did say the same thing in, in different words uh, when I first um, was was honest about my deconversion. But I was wrong then, and Tyler is wrong now. And so this is this is just the phase where he is, and there is absolutely nothing epistemically wrong with you. Uh, you haven't you haven't stopped seeking truth. You haven't become stupid um, if you no longer believe in God. And I, I I don't appreciate the implication there. You know, he's trying to he's trying to salvage as much of his dignity and make it as easy to go down for all of his followers as 
possible. You know, it's it's very traumatic to have a Christian leader that you believe in just announce one day, I don't believe in God anymore. All right, so maybe there's some sensitivity there, but I, I think the line um, takes away from an otherwise uh, powerful statement that he's making. Okay. I still find Christianity in the Bible to be beautiful, meaningful to the human experience, and some significant sense true. But I just cannot remain tethered to the mast and pretend that I can, want to, or will order my life by the narrow precepts, though. Okay, wait a minute. In what way is Christianity true, but you can't abide by it? It's the whole love wins, that kind of thing. How is that Christianity? Sorry? How, how, How is that Christianity? <laughs> what Jesus's message in general and some of Jesus's message in general has <laughs> nothing got... to do with love winning. I, I mean, I'm glad that I have Peter on the show. Welcome to the show, Peter. It still doesn't work. Love, love wins is not a message of Jesus. It's not a message of the gospel. It's not a message of Christianity. I don't know where that comes from. It's a very nice saying. I, I like the idea of it, but love loses all the time, uh, seven days a week. Um, you know, it wins some, it loses some. I don't see anything metaphysically necessary for love to always win. And knowing the message of Christianity, at least the, the form of it that I'm familiar with, I just don't see any necessity for love wins to be a part of it. But if you want to say love wins, I'm I'm okay with that. I I just don't see why that wouldn't be called Christianity. So I don't. Uh, and by the way, if this is what Tyler thought was Christianity, then he wouldn't need to say, "But I can't live by the narrow precepts of it," because this would be Christianity to him. So I don't think that's what he means at all. And it it just seems like he's saying something fairly contradictory here as he processes this. On the one hand, he's saying. In some ways, I believe Christianity is still true, and in, with the next breath, I can't live with I can't live by its precepts. Again, it's probably rejecting conservative Christianity and evangelicalism, and just a, and just accepting some of the core concepts that you find that you can pick off the bone that seem seem palatable. Well, not just palatable, but a good a good endeavor like. You know, not love wins, but okay, goodness is worth pursuing. Love is a good thing. Those kind of things. That's what people mean by love wins, I think. Sure, but you don't need Christianity for that. Uh, no, you but, don't. No, no, no. You know, and, I don't and mean I can... saying Christianity. You're just saying those aspects of it, uh, if you want to call them Christian, because, you know, Christians have been often identified with, you know, the loving missionary and all that kind of thing, right, whether you agree with it or not. But I think he's just trying to hold on to those aspects of it. So I'm just going to jump the timeline a little bit around my birthday. You and I will be in discussion again. We'll be talking about the third and final um, Tyler Vela Vela video on this subject. He very clearly denounces any kind of liberal or progressive Christianity. Um, And so this is, this is partly why I can, speak as strongly about this and about what I believe Tyler is not saying. I have jumped the timeline. <laughs> so, uh, I am not party to this. No. <laughs> out the closet and, so but, when I hey. was listening to this 
earlier today, before jumping the timeline, I was saying exactly the same thing that you were, but no, he kind of rules that out later. Uh, we'll, we'll talk again when I'm 53. It's general mm -hmm. equity is admirable. So what's next? I have no clue. And that uncertainty, which used to terrify the control freak in me, is actually part of what led to the change. I have no idea what's next. I studied this for decades. And honestly, I still love the discussions and the grand thoughts and the debates and significant explorations. So do I walk away from it all? Do I close up shop on the podcast and YouTube debates and blogs, research and writing? How do I continue in good conscience without it becoming purely academic? Or maybe it does become that, or maybe it becomes one non-religious person seeking the truth and beauty and significance in something he no longer affirms. Many have gone that route before me. Again, I have no idea. What are my beliefs on this or that now? It depends. On some things, I'm sure, and I've worked out some of it. On others, I'm still reconstructing and working through the issues. On others, I have no clue yet. I'm still thinking it through and much will likely fade or change colors in the wash as I work out consistency again. For now, I'm walking in love and honesty and pursuit of truth and just enjoying the grand thing we call life with family and friends and those with whom I hold near and dear. And let me just say that I think that's all anyone need mm. to do. And you don't, you don't need to rebuild some kind of theology. When you when you walk away, a, a a lot of times, what happens with with people? Once again, this depends on how deep they were in religion, what kind of religion they were in uh, before. They seek some kind of analog to the uh, Christian experience that they had, except without the the religious part. The UU. I, I think largely exists for that. The Unitarian Universalists or Universal Unitarian. It's that's what the U stand for. I get confused as to the order, but that, the UU is what they call themselves. Um, are a great landing place for people who have left traditional religion, but can't leave the trappings of it. And uh, I stopped by the UU for a while myself on the way out. It was delightful. It was, I highly recommend it. <laughs> so, um, which, which might surprise uh, people to hear is great. But at some point I realized, yeah, I don't, I actually don't need that either. And I ultimately think it's kind of a mistake. You know, I recommend it if you, if you're one of these people who needs that sort of thing, but I ultimately think that a clean break is better and healthier. We don't need atheist church. The the thing is we don't need church. <laughs> we don't we don't need to jump into some different world view. We don't have to go from Christianity to humanism. It it's not necessary to do that. What we need to do is walk in love and peace and care for our family and our environments and our surroundings and be uh, the best human that we can be in our society. That's really all we need to do. And we, we don't need to go through and kind of rebuild this kind of 
theology, non-theology type of worldview up again to replace the thing that we had? I think you do. I think because you, you become the best human you can be in community. You have to bounce ideas off people. You have to have rough edges knocked off you with other people. You need to have somebody hold up mirrors to you and communities do that for people. So you that's how you become the better person. And once you've lost it all through a deconversion or deconstruction, then you need it takes a bit of time to work out what's important and ultimately everybody seems to be coming back to this thing which is you know kind of treasure life experience it be good to the people you know and love and it just takes a bit of time because you've been you've been given a different narrative when you're in christianity you've been told it's it's worship and praising god and following his word and working out what he, his his um uh, plan is for your life and you've been given all the instructions and then suddenly all that's taken away what what are you going to do you've got this vacuum that you've got to fill and rebuild up and that is a massive part of the, the deconstruction process is is working out shift sifting through stuff and going i don't i'm jettisoning jettisoning that i'm keeping this and for some people it's a bit more of the christianity model than you know if you've been given a fairly healthy view in the christian model of you know, God is love and he accepts and he wants all people to be reconciled to one and all those kind of things, you're going to have an easier time to just sort of think, well, I give up some of the doctrines and the Bible as, as being literal and all those kind of things much more easily and just hold to those core beliefs than you are um, somebody who's who's having to jettison everything because it was just toxic. So I think it really depends on the, on the individual where you're going to, how you're going to deconvert. No, I don't, I don't know. I don't, there's no right way. There's no right way. And I think if he's got to go through a kind of stepping stone period, then uh, it's kind of to be expected. But I haven't heard, listened to the other two videos, so yeah. once I have, I'll probably... I could hate on him as well if I need to, don't worry. Yeah, well, look, <laughs> I, don't, I don't disagree with what you just said, except for the parts that I don't agree with. Well. Um, so, But no, I think, I think that we are, uh, in fact, saying similar things despite the disagreement the disagreement i personally don't need to put together some kind of infrastructure that mirrors my christian infrastructure i don't i don't need to replace brick for brick um you know i get rid of that thing and i put something there like it but that is secular instead of religious uh i'm fine getting rid of the whole structure. And I think a lot of people would be fine with, without the structure. We, I, I don't need that. I, I, turns out I never needed that. But what do you call the structure? Community. I mean, what, you know, if you lost all your Christian friends, you're going to build another community of secular. Not necessarily. Friends. I didn't, I didn't have a lot of Christian friends in the first place. Uh, some that I did, I, I held very dear to be, to be sure. Mm -hmm. But I was never one of those people who was, all that plugged in to community for most of my life. So I was actually pretty happy uh, getting rid of the cliquish infighting of yeah. what so much of the Christian community is. The Christian community mm -hmm. isn't all that for no. everybody. Uh, it but is It is for some people, right? Um, so yeah. but But it's not for everybody. There are plenty of us who were there our entire lives and we're always kind of outsiders uh, mm -hmm. in this community. So I was I was happy to be shed of it for the most part. Um, like I said, there were there were some friendships that were dear to me that that you know it 
hurt me to walk away from. But by and large, yeah, I, I was not the plugged in kind of Christian as, as deeply embedded in Christianity and the church and church politics as I was on a deeply personal social level. I was not, and I don't, I don't think that the church served me well in that way. And so, yeah, I'm, I was happy to be without it. And I think that there are plenty of people who can, but for those who need that, who are built a different way than me, say you, uh, who, who seems to be a very social person, uh, things like the UU, uh, and other types of non, uh, overly religious communities are, are valuable. And, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm not knocking that you can, you can have that. You can assess your own needs and have it. You don't have to go to church because some Bible says you've got to do it. You can go to uh, some kind of community if if you, in your own rights, believe that it would be helpful for you. No God needs to tell you to do it. And by the same token, if you feel like it's not useful for you, you should get rid of it. And you shouldn't try to reflexively rebuild the stuff that you had just because it's stuff that you used to do. No, I mean, I, I agree. You don't have to rebuild it, especially, but I think the community aspect of it, of just, have, or just having some friends is, um, and if you lose a lot of them in, from leaving church and things, you're, you're going to want to build them up in another, in another capacity. And for him, it's just that he can't quite leave, let go of the whole theism thing right now. He needs to have a stepping stone between the two. It's too big a deal to let it all go in one go. You have to, you have to have stepping stones. Yeah, I, no, I, I uh, completely agree. And he didn't, he didn't stop what he was doing. He's, he's just, he's still doing internet shows. <laughs> Is he? Uh, on, on, yeah, on I, th I think so. It, not, on, not on apologetics, but he's doing, okay. uh, look, we'll get to it. <laughs> oh, okay. But right. yeah, yeah. So he, uh, One this type of deconversion happened um, while he in this era, while he's an internet star, well, he can still be an internet star. <laughs> it's just a yeah. different kind of internet star. Amy Grant didn't stop necessarily believing in God, although she did stop being the kind of Christian that she was. She, but she used to, you know, she was one of those early big Christian superstars who went secular. She didn't, she, she oh. didn't, Amy Grant, oh yeah, she didn't stop singing. <laughs> she uh -huh. just stopped singing for Jesus. <laughs> we, we still claimed her as one of our own for a long time. Of you know, yeah. she was one of the. She's one of. She's a Christian. She got to got to be supporting Amy Grant. So okay, she she left it all, did she? Okay, oh, yeah, yeah, a long time ago. Oh, I didn't know this. Long, long time ago. Now, uh -huh. some of you have asked me a lot of follow up questions. Again, this has been on social media for about a week now. I'm not looking to answer all of everyone's questions. And in some cases, I do not have all the answers, as I've said. However, many are asking the same questions, and there seems to be a bit of water cooler effect happening. First, I appreciate so much of the kindness, love, and support from many, even people I've never spoken to, who knew me from the content I put out. I even appreciate the attempts to re-evangelize and call to repent. I know it all comes from a good place in people's hearts, and I do not think it's condescending or judgmental. I get it. Okay. So I'm just going to jump in right there really quick, real quick. I despise 
the people who come in and try to re-evangelize. I understand it. I get it. But it is a type of desperation, uh, and it, it stinks of high heaven. If someone loses their faith, uh, it, it requires some kind of arrogance, I think, to make you think that you can ride in like the Calvary and go save them. Now, the Holy Spirit, he can't do it. Uh, he's been he's been sitting there indwelling with him all this year these years, and you know they still walked away. The Holy Spirit can't do it. God can't do it. But you, you, take it upon yourself to go and save this lost soul. This this evangelistic impulse is rotten to the core, and I truly despise it. And it's it's. It's also a kind of a denial of a person's autonomy, okay? So this person has made a decision for his life that you don't like. Now you feel like you've got to go fix him so that he doesn't make that decision or unmakes that decision because it offends your sensibilities. Screw you. It is refreshing to find, to come across Christians that are secure enough in their faith to who just go, okay, that's where you're at, that's fine, who aren't threatened by it, um, and they are few and far between because most of them will try and bring you back in. And again, as you say, you understand it. You do remember when somebody walks out of faith, for you in your worldview, it's that they're going into the evil sign. You want to drag them back into the light. Um, so it comes from a good place. I I commend that guy, though, um, Tyler Vella, because uh, he seems to have got through the angry stage pretty quickly on, on the whole thing and seems to be very gracious towards people, whereas that, that is quite difficult. It's like a total denial of your experience, of what you've researched, what you've the pain you've gone through. It's a bit like total... You need to be at least believed when you're going through this, never mind affirmed or um, not agreed with, but at least people understand you and you feel very lonely when you're going through a deconversion. So um, I think he's he's good to, to say he's okay about it. He's, he seems to be going straight to the accepting that people were, are coming from a good place, which I think ultimately they are, but it is infuriating. Yeah, I think he's being very kind-hearted. It's it's only good from a certain angle. It's largely not good, though. It's not a good place to be in when you feel like you've got to cowboy up and save everybody. This mm -hmm. this savior messiah complex, it's easy to look at that on the surface and say that's a good place. It's not a good place. It's a bad place. It's it's a mental disorder, really. Um, <laughs> I mean, we we call it a messiah complex for a reason. Uh, but it, it is their problem, not yours. It, that's you know right. I mean? But it's it's not it's not it's not healthy though. It's not a healthy mental state to be in. Uh, you're you're always John Wayne, got a cowboy up and save somebody's soul. Is not a healthy mental state, even no, even for Christians. Isn't. So that's that's really what I mean by that. Now, having said that, and and given this impassioned rant. I will tell you that I am going to move to a place uh, with 4S where I'm actually going to invite Christians to come with their best attempts at conversion, persuasion, reconversion. Um, I don't want to hear 
ridiculous philosophical arguments that that don't mm-hmm. matter, right? That that's that's irrelevant. No, nobody converts based on the Kalam. I, I don't yeah. care how good of an argument you think it is. That is not the stuff that persuades. And so uh, I'm going to be doing uh, a bit more focus on deconversion, but I also want the Christian to have something to do. I think in the past I have, I have said this sort of thing about evangelism, and I think that that has the net effect of kneecapping the Christian when they come into SNS because now they don't have anything to do. Um, they can only talk about things that don't really matter because, you know, they don't want to be shut down for making uh, an altar call. Mm-hmm. I invite the Christian to make their best altar call. I don't want to argue against a kind of academic Christianity that nobody actually in the pews understands or believes anyway. It's it's just mm-hmm. a waste of time. Uh, and for those people who are sitting on the fence... Quoting C.S. Lewis is not going to get them off the fence. That is that is not the stuff of salvation, no matter how meaningful you think that stuff is. And so I, I do want to move into a phase where we can talk about the stuff that actually matters. And Christians, if, if, you, if what you really want to do is convert the recently deconverted, uh, and persuade. I don't want to take away your tools for doing your best persuasion. If you're going to be in the conversation, you need to be in the conversation at full strength. And uh, I'm not going to uh, to try to kneecap you uh, or to or to make you stick to arguments that even you know doesn't matter. I, I want to talk about things that really matter things that persuade. Uh, I want to talk more about things that, uh, on the on the skeptic side, things that don't persuade us, uh, things that we jettisoned and why. And maybe if we can foster a little bit better conversation, Christians can maybe understand how to make a better message or a more persuasive message, and we can start hearing one another. And I think that at the end of the day, it's not going to lead to, you know, churches filling up again. I think it will lead to better understanding and we might can build a new kind of relationship between people of faith and people not of faith. We don't have to see each other as the enemy. We're not the enemy. You're not the enemy. And um, so here I am. Uh, naive enough to believe that I can make a difference on the internet. And uh, that's uh, the difference we're going to make. So uh, I hope you join me in the future as I flesh that out a little bit more. Uh, So never mind my rant against evangelism. (laughs) Tyler, take it away. However, many seem to think that I'm in a bad place now. That somehow this is a right now decision because they think that I'm currently struggling. They want to pray for me and hope I find peace in this struggle and turmoil right now. That's just inaccurate. I'm actually in a really good and healthy place, probably the most peaceful, healthy, and holistically happy place I've been. 
I'll make my feeble attempt to explain below, but my deconversion is happening almost because my faith was of no value or help during the crisis I went through. And so as I've healed and grown, I found it to be something that did not fit me anymore. Something that was not authentic to myself. Okay. Um, I can't help myself, uh, sir. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so to, to the end of producing this better kind of conversation and focus on uh, deconstruction and possible reconstruction. Um, I just, I think that what Tyler said is very important and Christians need to hear it. Uh, and so I, I, I can't say this enough folks. When someone announces their deconversion, when it's, when it's so strong when the impulse for deconversion is so strong that you find out about it, that they tell you about it, it's set in pretty well. They are not in a bad place. Do not try to swoop in as if they are in turmoil and, and, and don't come in all pastoral like to try to ease the pain of their turmoil. They're not in turmoil. They're okay for the, maybe the first time in their life, their turmoil is you. You are the thing they're worried about. You are the only wild card in their life. Their life is settled. Their conscience is settled. Their mind is settled. They're at peace. The only thing that interrupts their peace is the, is the thought of having to deal with you. And so when you come in that way, assuming that, oh, poor thing, they must be in such turmoil, you are making a huge mistake. They are, it, it's like a person who comes out as gay. They're not in turmoil. They have dealt with the turmoil privately. They've come out. They're at peace. You are the one in turmoil. Don't visit that on them. And the only thing in their life they're worried about is how to deal with the people in their lives who won't accept them. So Christians, don't be that, don't be that person. They don't, they don't like to hear that you actually feel like you're in a better place and that life is better and sweeter and more exciting and um, and just more open and, uh, and yeah, a greater peace and, um, and a greater feeling of being alive than you've ever had before. So they don't like to hear it, which I understand. Um, but it's the reality of most people who deconvert. They, they go through a period of, of almost euphoria mm -hmm. that it's it's so much better than where i was before um deal with it yeah. <laughs> deal with it the it's, weight it's the, is lifted it's it's lifted for them and what you mm. represent is the weight that, in, that you're yeah. trying to place on their shoulders this is how you appear to people like us who have deconverted and i i can also tell you this from the perspective of someone who's deconverted and spoken to, you know, maybe hundreds of people uh, who have deconverted, they don't want to end their relationship with you. You need to not take their deconversion personally. They don't dislike you. They're not repudiating you. I know it feels like they are repudiating you. This is not about you. And if, if you handle this right, you can maintain a friendship that's valuable to both you and them. The, the thing that destroys the friendship is not their deconversion. 
it's you assuming that they need you to, to do something about it. And really what they just need you to be is their friend. Mm. So, okay. Um, there we go. Like when you've lost weight and are more healthy, but then none of your clothes fit right anymore and are actually uncomfortable to wear. So faith never came easy to me to begin with, which I guess is an important trend to know. I grew up in a non-religious home and after becoming a Christian, the Christian subculture and some of the worldview never sat well or comfortably with or on me. It's not that I rejected it or refused to affirm it. I did affirm it. It was just always surreal, but I muddled through the best that I could. However, after my divorce, it became almost intolerable at times. Bam, 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 bam. There it is. There it is. I can hear the Christian. Ah, the divorce. The divorce. <laughs> we didn't know about the divorce. Ah, that's why you left. He makes it clear yeah, that that's not. Yeah, he wants to do some sinning somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, John Loftus had a similar uh, experience, uh, except, you know, I, I say similar experience. He was, he went through a divorce and that was the catalyst for him leaving the church because the, the church, especially the, the denomination that he was in, which was the denomination I grew up in, uh, takes a dark view uh, of divorce, let's say, and they, and they don't really care what the circumstances are never mind the fact that many of them are sitting up in the pews divorced <laughs> remarried mm. um they they take a dim view of that and so i know a lot of people are going to hear this divorce and say yeah gotcha gotcha that's that's it it's not he talks about that um and i and shame on you uh for making that the central issue because people of faith who have a great relationship with God often don't have great relationships with the spouses they choose. And in divorce happens, and that doesn't have to break up other relationships. And it's, it's just a nasty kind of impulse to say, yeah, that's, that's why, you know, you, you had this sinful attitude and you got divorced and, you know, you walked away from everything that was sacred. Now, I would also say this, uh, and I would like your input on this, uh, Sarah. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but I would actually say that uh, marital trouble that leads to divorce is a good reason to walk away from your faith. Now, this is very controversial, <laughs> so let me just spin this out a little bit. What Christians often say, I know you've heard this, uh, many times before, uh, Natalie, uh, used to uh, say this, I got to get her back on the show. Um, that God paired her with her mate, that God, um, helped her find the right person. Uh, Christians talk this way, you know, um, maybe someone who's single and is hoping to marry, you know, Christian will often, in a well-meaning way, say, God has someone for you, and, and you just need to be faithful. And so they have this kind of pseudo-worldview belief idea that 
God is matchmaking. And, mm-hmm. and that he's not going to match you. If you're faithful to his will, he's not going to match you with the wrong person. And so if it turns out that you are matched with the wrong person, it, it is kind of a God problem. Because what it shows, at the very least, is that God didn't match you with the right person. It doesn't necessarily mean that there is no God. Maybe it means that the claim that God cares about who you marry and is involved with that, maybe maybe it shows that. But if you are, are a part of a culture that tells you that God joins people together and that God has a plan for marriage and for you, and it turns out that you marry someone who is abusive to you, that's a strike against God. It is a legitimate reason to alter your worldview toward a religion that that teaches you that. It's a good it's a good uh, crisis. I would have thought that that definitely highlights some of the weaknesses that either God doesn't uh, help you through it. But I would also say it would mean that you would question uh, whether you heard right, because let's be honest, if you're getting married in a Christian environment, you're going to do a lot of praying about whether this is the right thing, the right one. It's a big decision. Uh, so, you know, it would it would certainly put into question that you probably heard wrong and then you that would send a whole load of dominoes effect down. So in terms of, you know, whether you can trust whether you can hear God properly and what constitutes God talking to you. Um, And as you say, you normally think that God is a big supporter of marriage, so would try and do anything to try and keep that marriage together, when the reality in human terms is that it's sometimes not possible. Um, And uh, and so, you know, again, it it just sets a whole load of domino effects. So a a divorce or a, a relationship breakdown, I think, is is not unusual for it to to spark a crisis of faith, uh, and uh, but it can do it the other way. You might then find Jesus because you've had a divorce and you were secular and you think that Jesus is a better person to love than a fallible human. So it can it can swing you both ways in terms of where you'll end up. Um, but I don't suppose it's necessarily this guy's problem. I don't know any reason for his divorce. Does he ever go into any of the reasons why? Is it to do with the faith or just... Well, he has something vague that he says right now. But I still committed to it. Though I struggled with my faith in God's love and forgiveness and what mercy and grace meant during that time, I almost went Pascalian. And even though I didn't feel anything, I doubled down and prayed more, read the Bible daily, went to church, and did all the things that one should do to rekindle their faith and trust in God, even when walking blind in a hurricane. Here, I also want to clear something up that people seem to misunderstand so far about my announcements. Not to justify or explain myself as some need to be understood. I don't have to do that. I'm honestly, I'm totally comfortable with people not getting it. But I want to bring it up because it serves as a good example where those of us who deconvert could be potentially hurt further by the church because it hears something and then it fills in the blanks with its own narrative. But it's not our narrative. I've noticed this and reflected how the story of my deconversion that I hear and see from others, it's not my story. It's kind of like the Amazon version of the book. It's sensational with high emotional punchiness, but still not true to the book. Okay. Um, So I thought he was going to get to it sooner. So I will just say uh, he does mention uh, unfaithfulness in the marriage, but he doesn't go into details. 
Ah, so okay. whether it was his unfaithfulness or the <laughs> unfaithfulness maybe, yeah. of his, his wife. Um, so there may be some other place, but he, he did kind of mention that uh, offhandedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I just wanted to get uh, there and I didn't want to get further into the thoughts uh, without saying anything now i i will tell you i'm pretty lucky in that i haven't run across too many people well kind of because of the way that i came out but there weren't a lot of people who came to me with some version of why they thought i deconverted so i didn't have to deal with that much Mm -hmm. um the uh one of the few times when I did deal with it and I, and I mentioned it because someone might say, yeah, didn't you do a show with Teddy on, on that? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> so, uh, Teddy, bless her heart. Um, it is one of those people who is convinced that she knows why you left. She knows. And, uh, give, given her, given just the right opportunity and enough time to talk to you, she can, she can, make you admit it. And mm-hmm. I, there are a lot of people like that. And I, I don't have any animosity uh, with Teddy over that. I, I love Teddy. She's dead wrong. Um, and and I, I think that <laughs> that was abundantly clear in the show that she did. But it's it's part of this. She's, you know, she's one of the Christians that will say it out loud. I think a lot of Christians feel that way, but they're too afraid to say it out loud. Um, they, they think that they've got their finger on the pulse of you. They think they know why a person would walk away. It can't be for good reasons, right? And so they've got this set of straw man, bad reasons in their mind that have to apply to you in some way, because it it is too much and too difficult for the Christian to accept the idea that a person Mm -hmm. walked away from their, their faith for good reasons, Exactly. That's what. That's the thing. It's threatening to them, so they've got to. They've got to find a solution. Again, it's down to the the more mature one that's happy in in their faith, just to say, okay, that's where you're at. <laughs> it's so much simpler when people are like that with you, even if they they hold a faith belief, and then you can you can rub along with them. Whereas people who are like, no, you're this. You you've made these decisions for these reasons. They know you better than you know yourself. Um, it it just gets a bit galling, doesn't it? Yeah, so. it's 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 a little bit challenging. And as, as you say, you know, the person who says, huh, okay, that's interesting. We still on for coffee on Tuesday? Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's, that's a human being that I want to know. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, you know, it's it's the parents who uh, are told uh, by their child uh, that, you know, they're they're lesbian. Mm. And, you know, the, the parents can have a moment of silence on that and say, okay, cool. We still going on the road trip, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? If you can, if you can do right that, answer. right. You, that, that is the right, that's the only right answer. The, I could do any yeah. other answer is wrong. Yeah. It's, exactly. it's, it is just the wrong answer. There is, there is no right answer that, that tries to, uh, vilify uh, this or tr- that that tries to reverse this decision or th- that refuses to accept it in some way or or you know tie this this 
idea to your humanity in some negative way. You know, you were a decent human being when you were a believer, but now you're an atheist. Now I have to reassess what you are. No, you don't. And that, that's the first thing you notice stepping out into the secular thing and having secular friends. Are they the ones that are much cooler about the whole thing or who accept you for where you are and, and don't have all this baggage to throw at you? Uh, and they're not trying to convert you. They're not trying to change you. They just, they're just so much more accepting. And that's how you become in terms of you, you can be like, oh, okay, people can be in different places and it's not so binary and, and it's, that's what's freeing about it. And that's why people report being, being happier. So, um, yeah, and right. Christians don't like to hear but just, just accept it. And there, and there's worry. a reason that they if told... You believe God, believe he's bigger than these little, these little issues, um, and, and you'll be fine. Just, just accept your friend who's come out and just, it's all a journey. Don't worry about it. Just chill out. Yeah, and you, you can know almost for 100% certainty that when someone comes out, you know, whatever the out thing is, you are the last person to know. They've already told mm -hmm. all of their friends that they know would accept them. They weren't mm -hmm. worried about them. They were worried about you. <laughs> so think it, just think about that for a moment. Mm -hmm. and, and then don't immediately start doing the things that justify their worry. Mm-hmm. Many people saw me mention my divorce and think that that is the thing that did me in as if I was mad at God for letting me get divorced in the first place. And so I'm selfish or was demanding God to gimme, gimme, gimme. This kind of psychologizing and Monday morning motivation speculation really is something that can make people like me stop wanting to talk to our church friends. My divorce wasn't the cause or even the reason for my deconversion. It was more like catalyst, not the cause. I didn't lose my faith because I got divorced. Like, God, if you were real, I wouldn't be divorced. No, that would be shallow and honestly a silly reason. It wouldn't be shallow and it wouldn't be silly uh, for the reasons I gave before. And especially for a person who has been on their knees for hours a day, praying that God help them find the right person, right? So it's it's not shallow, shallow and silly. It would be actually an act of unfaith to not believe that God would do it for you. I mentioned my divorce because it's an event that made me rip off a bunch of Band-Aids and come out of hiding to confront a lot of very sinful and shameful aspects about myself and my life. My divorce forced me to confront myself and how I handled abuse and infidelity and how I had and how being a victim of circumstance had changed me into someone I didn't recognize and I was ashamed of being. It was actually in that process of reconstruction and healing and wrestling with who I was and who I wanted to be that I lost my faith and belief. There were lots of things that actually changed my beliefs and my convictions. And I'll explain those probably as time goes on. My divorce, though, wasn't one of them. It was more like D-Day, the event that started the turning of the tide. That's why comments like those that I'm hearing, they may create a swallowable narrative for some, but they just make my eyes roll. I only mentioned my divorce because it was a watershed issue that opened my eyes to just how miserable and depressed I was and that something had to change. Right. Uh, the term he used there, 
you might hear it again from me and I will not cre uh, credit it. I will pretend like I made it up. It's a swallowable narrative. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the Christians who do this sort of thing do this for themselves. They have to tell themselves a story about why this happens. So they have one or two plot points that they apply to everybody who walks away. And you can just see it on the internet. Every time, uh, you know, some uh, preacher walks away or some uh, popular Christian uh, singer, uh, music minister walks away, these, these plot points come out. This, this swallowable narrative that Christians present as if to say, yeah, I, I know where they are coming from. That explains everything. And what they, they're telling themselves a story that doesn't match the reality of the person actually walking away. I also went to Christian counseling and worked really hard on myself to be a man I could be proud of and who my sons can be proud of. Confident, hardworking, truthful, now almost to a fault, in touch with my emotions and not just my emotions, my deep unstated motivations for things and refusing to hide or isolate or walk in the shadows to ironically always walk in the light as it were. For the past two years, I've become that man and I honestly am unexplainably comfortable in my own skin in ways I never had been before. And I'm passionate about life and motivated and content again. What was weird, however, was that the more I healed and became more confident and at peace with who I am, I also noticed that the ministerial promises of the Bible seemed further and further from reality for me. That tension bothered me. A very strong cognitive dissonance set in. I begged and cried and asked God to, get, to, to make me more like Jesus, to love him more, to know him more, to have the spirit convict me, etc., but the more I did that, the less faith I had because it started to feel that those are things that I shouldn't have to beg God for. Like a child shouldn't have to beg their parents for love or care. They should not have to beg for a loaf of bread instead of a rock, a fish instead of a poisonous serpent. My faith was diminished Though, uh, my uh, sorry, my faith diminished though that until finally about seven months ago, I quite consciously had none left. And again, let me be clear. Seven months uh, before this uh, video was done, he consciously had no more faith. I had um, mentioned two months before, but that is, that is apparently not right. Seven months where he consciously had no faith. Um, also, I just wanted to say I've been there, uh, Tyler. I have been there when I have prayed for things like wisdom and peace and faith. Give me more faith um, and uh, understanding of your word and more orientation toward uh, what you want. I've, I've, given those prayers with the same results of I'm not asking for, for cars. Exactly. And it's I'm, not asking it's begging. Yeah. I'm, I'm begging for the stuff that you tell me that I should want. I want it like nobody's business. And the mm -hmm. more it didn't come, the less faith I had. 
because mm-hmm. that's that's the stuff that faith is built on, right? Um, and so, if you are if you are begging for um, for a clean heart, say, create in me a clean heart, uh, and you know some something that you're struggling with in your heart doesn't get better you have to wonder okay wait a minute i can't ask for a more pure and honest prayer i can't do better (laughs) here and so if i if i don't get this i don't i don't know i don't know what else to do where do i go from here i mean if i'm if i'm praying for more faith and i end up with less faith that's just going to act on me having even less faith. I don't. So I've been there. I've, I've been there. I know that, uh, you have to, I know that the people, uh, that we talk to on a regular basis have all been there and have all said the same thing. Did you have anything to add to that? No, other than we really have all been there. We've all tried to even pray for the right things with the right motives, just like he says, um and you're just out of ideas you're just like i think that's why i got to a point where i was just like well i'm just gonna be i'm just gonna be that's all i can do right now is just doing the being thing um because i'm out of ideas i'm out of prayers i'm out of faith i'm out of all of it so you know for a while a long time all i could do was the lord's prayer because i just was like that's all we were told to do so let's just let's just stick to that for a bit i can't if i start (laughs) thinking about other things it gets too complicated and it just (laughs) It reminds me just how much it's not happening and not working. And yeah, and and eventually you just say, this isn't making any difference. And it's when you wake up to that, you're like, I think I might put this to bed for a while. And then the being is actually quite good and it's a lot easier and there's no striving with it. And and so you kind of gravitate to more to, to be that because we're human. We need to see progress. We need to see goals achieved a little bit. You know, you can't just keep people hanging in the dark with no with no progress, with no prayers answered, with no um, discernible anything for too long. You just have to do something or else God's designed it really badly. So just be, mate. Just He just needs to do a bit of being and not worrying. He's still in the striving stage, man. He just needs to just be. I really liked um, when you said you, you revert to the Lord's Prayer. I mean, say a few Our Fathers. You can't screw that one up, right? I mean, you know. <laughs> Exactly. Maybe. It covers all the bases. There's right. the, holes, the food. You got to get the food in. Give us our daily bread. I've, I've tried yeah. to to pray with my own words and my own heart. That's not working. Let me just let me just do this one. <laughs> the other guy, two thousand years ago, it must have been good for some reason. <laughs> no, 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 nah. Yeah. Um. You know, not that I want the comments to go in this direction. Lord knows we've talked it to death. But, you know, in retrospect, I feel like maybe I should have prayed for a pool table. (laughs) I wasn't asking God for some miracle or private revelation. I didn't think that I was working and striving, and so I deserved it. I didn't need manna in the wilderness or writing on the wall. For those who seem to think that I'm letting feelings drive actions— Ask yourself, what do you mean as a Christian when you say that God is your comfort? Is God your comfort if you're in fact not comforted? Good question. 
give the boy a peanut. That's fantastic. That's exactly what it is. Like, what difference does it make? What actual difference does this praying do to you? Right. There has to be some kind of discernible, measurable thing that says this yes. prayer is working. Even if it's just the good feeling in your heart that you're comforted. If you're not even getting that, you got to get out. <laughs> not just not getting it. You're actually feeling way worse because you're not getting it. And you're, that's causing a whole level, another layer of suffering, which is completely needless to the problem. That's you know, you've got your problem and then the praying about the problem. And then the fact that the prayer is not being answered. So it's just accumulating issues. And it's so nice to let it go and just be. Just be. Is it too song. emotional to desire to be like Christ? There's a weird inconsistency at the core of the Christian apologetics and theology community. The longing to be tightly logical and rational and have no feelings and emotion drive anything, except when it's not. And you're told that you cannot justify things logically and you shouldn't read outside of the Bible and you should just have faith. And then it's also comfortable saying that Conversion is by the experience of the Holy Spirit, and we have we have confidence by this experience of the inner witness to our, our hearts by the Spirit. So it is experiential to its core, but when experience doesn't line up to reality, then you shouldn't let experience inform you. It's odd, and that became very loud in my thinking. Uh, you were about to say something? I just said it's all over the place, isn't it? It <laughs> Which is. is yeah, it's it's this, it's not that, it's that with, with a pinch of salt. It's just, poor guy, poor guy, just let it go. It'll take you a few years to walk away from that. I mean, it really will, all yeah. this. Ah, it's I, I, yeah, I it's, uh, look, I'm still working through it, <laughs> honestly. So, um, And it's it's been quite a while for me. Uh, I don't think yeah. that you ever fully get over it, but it's it's very interesting to, to see people when they're at the beginning of their journey out the door, how similar the experiences are. And, um, sure. he's, he's much more eloquent than, uh, than a lot of people who talk about this. Of course, he's reading from a, uh, prompter and he's probably took three months to write this, but, um, <laughs> he's, he's very eloquent and well put together. But at the end of the day, he's saying the stuff that we all said. We all said. Every yeah. one of us uh, Christians take note at the similarities of these stories. It's like for decades, I refuse to let experience in my own being play any part in the data set. But I read the Bible, read the Psalms, read Jeremiah and Lamentations. Christianity in this regard can be strangely inconsistently myopic. At the one hand, entirely experiential. And on the other time, on the other hand, you shouldn't let experience motivate you at all. Sometimes it's all about experience. Sometimes it castigates it to the outer darkness. It seemed to me that if God did not want me to, did not want me near him or did not see fit to comfort me, why should I keep fighting for it? I had a pain. Yeah. A good question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Correct. I mean, that's the first the sanity and all of it isn't it is when you start saying enough's enough this is like abuse i'm just fighting for something i'm not seeing any result to it, it's okay to walk away it's okay you need to give yourself the permission to do it because it's <laughs> it's hard to do to do that because you've been told you have to fight for it and you will be tested and so you know 
it takes a bit of uh, it takes a bit of abuse before you get there. Yeah, um, but you will. It's um, it's very much a Stockholm syndrome kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You're you're yeah. so busy trying to please your captor, uh, mm -hmm. you, you just can't think straight, and and you've lost perspective. The fact that this is your captor. <laughs> tension between how strong my head believed the theology and what I thought the Bible affirmed and how much, or rather how vanishingly little faith I had left, if any at all. And I struggled with that tension a lot. Was I lying? No. Was I struggling and finding out what I believed? Absolutely. But at the end of it all, I just stopped fighting it or even caring about it truthfully. I realized that I was not fighting for God or anything noble like that. I was striving with and even at times against God or the concept of God I had in my mind. I get the nobility of striving against sin and the devil and fighting for the kingdom and all that and never giving up. But should I have to fight for a relationship with God, especially if the promises are true that he is to be our comforter, our rock? our place of great shelter, the lover of our souls. I find myself almost saying back to God in his own words, if a child was saying that they didn't even know if I, sorry, if my child was saying that they didn't even know if I loved him and was begging for, for uh, to know me and to be near me, I wouldn't hesitate to comfort him in ways that he felt comforted. If me being fallen and broken and sinful as a father know that, how much more should you, my heavenly father? Amen that to that. Comfort never came. Amen. In fact, the more I worked and I strived to make sure I had no barriers in the way. Again, I wasn't working thinking that he owed me things, but I was doing all the things that in Pascalian ways you're supposed to do to rekindle your faith. The more I did that, the more obvious it became that not only was comfort or Christ-likeness or sanctification or being near God, not only was not, none of that coming, but it wouldn't be coming. So let me just um, observe here. Uh, there are Christians, and we know uh, many of them, who would say that they have... A, an active relationship with God in such a way that they n not only know he exists, but they, they feel his presence uh, all the time. He indwells within them, and they, they have this kind of nonverbal, closer-than-verbal uh, relationship. Uh, and I, I will just tell you that um, when, I was a, when I was a Christian anyway, I was envious of that kind of Christian and, and that kind of testimony. I don't know if I believed it, but I was certainly envious of it because that's what I wanted to have. Um, and I, and I did not have that. I never had that. Mm -hmm. And I certainly don't experience it now. And so Christians, when you make your best effort to convert and persuade, you cannot do this by talking about your special relationship with God. You have to acknowledge the fact that we don't have that. And so, if anything, it's more um, alienating 
to us. Because what you're saying is God loves you and wants deep relationship with you, but not with me. You've, you've, got, to, you've got to come up with an answer for that. And, and you've got to quit pretending like this relationship is out there for everybody. No, it's not. Tyler is standing right here telling you it is not. And you've got to do better. But these people definitely exist. And just like we don't like to have our, our experience invalidated, you have to accept that that's what they're experiencing. So either God is like that and he's picking and choosing a few to give you know the, the intimate relationship or, or somebody's deluded somewhere along the line and given the fact we probably had inklings of what we felt was the relationship um, and we can probably see those as just you know internal dialogues and things that were going on and beliefs and things that were driving us then have we got the upper hand a little bit to say well I think we know what your experience might be um, and we can explain it so we still don't believe that you're really having these experiences yeah, in some ways. Though I would never say some. Well, I would. I would you you would <laughs> trust would me. You never, would. You have. I would say. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I have. Said. But you know, ultimately, I think I do believe they're experiencing it. I just don't put the same. I don't ultimately think it's the same uh, cause as to why right. why they're experiencing. They're experiencing something. They're experiencing something that is creating a, a euphoric relationship kind of feeling. I, I don't deny deny that. Uh, I wish I had some of that. I don't have any of that. I've never had any of that. I am happy that they have that, whatever the cause, whatever the cause, glad they got it. If, if they got it from uh, doing crack, great. Uh, in, enjoy your life uh, for the next 10 years until you die. But you will have this feeling of relationship with something transcendent. Good for you. But the more you boast about this transcendent relationship, the the more you have to explain why I don't have it and why there was nothing that I could do to get it. Uh, all, all that does is confirm to me if your God exists, even if he exists, he doesn't want anything to do with me. And so if I thought he existed, if I believed you, that would just alienate me further from a God that I believed in. So they would tend to try and find a little thing as to why you might not, it might not have been happening for you. Some unrepented sin or. They have unrepented sins. They, they, I'm sorry, that, that will never work. There is nothing that they could do to convince me in, in that sense, because they are as human as I was then. They're not better than I was. No. So. You know, whatever they would say, you've got some unrepentant sin, blah, blah, blah. you've got some unrepentant sin, and yet God lives in your heart. So shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that silence became very stark and very loud. I would sit in church and feel like a hypocrite when we would sing of God's comfort and love and how we adored him. I kept trying and hoping to fake it till you make it and make Pascal proud. But at some point, it almost felt like the toxic relationships we hear about where someone's always demanding love and devotion, but never returns the favor. Says they love you, but doesn't actually show you that you have any value to them. But that's just yeah. it, right? I would expect on the Christian message 
something, surely something from my heavenly father who's supposed to infinitely love and care for and protect and uphold his children. Surely God would know what would at least be noticeable to me, right? Enough to keep me from walking out. I wasn't expecting grand miracles or healing. I wasn't praying for stuff, for things, for prosperity, or even for favorable circumstances. I just wanted him. Same here. I, I can show you yeah. that it got to a point for me. And I, you know, this is a little bit ashamed of it, but you, when you get desperate enough, this is the kind of stuff you go to. It's like, okay, God, I, I believe you're there. I, but I don't, I'm not getting the feedback I need. I'm, I'm squibbing in doubts. I've been praying. I've been studying all this. So I'm, I'm leaving, I'm walking mm -hmm. out, but, but, but if you, if you just give me a sign, any sign, a little <laughs> sign, gallstones, whatever you got, uh, uh, you know, you, you can punish me, but just do so in a way that I know it's you, yep. <laughs> so, you know, anything. I would rather be maimed and know that you're here than, uh, not maimed and left in this doubt. Um, th that is, that is exactly the level of mental illness that I got to just anything. Just give yeah, me something anything. that I can interpret I'll I'll take anything. Yeah, anything. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. For a long time, and it's not just a week, is it? It's mm -mm. just, it's, it's a long time. So when people say, you weren't really a Christian, it does provoke a need to deck them badly when <laughs> they say things like that. So just be aware, most people have gone through this kind of deconversion when you speak to them. They have tried all these things, and if you're lucky because you get the warm feels when God talks to you, good for you. You're in contact with the God of the universe, good. doesn't happen for everyone. That's a problem. That's a problem for you to explain, not for me. And, uh, yeah. And they have, don't... They have no idea how hard we've tried. We... No. I've... I, oh, God. Uh, I and I can say we because I know that all of this community went through similar stuff. I'm not special here. Um, no, I do. I do not have the delusion that I did more or worked harder. This is a common story. We tried so hard, and we were willing to accept so little, and it and it mm. and it didn't happen. Yeah, so little. Which is why when they say, "Well, what would it take for you to come back?" It's like. That ship has sailed. Yep. It is gone. Because what you should have asked is, what would it have taken to keep us? And the answer would have been so little. Yeah. So little. Just like he promised. And God could have, just like I would for my sons. But mm -hmm. crickets. For mm -hmm. years, crickets. While I was reading the Bible every day, memorizing more scripture than I had in years, praying and singing hymns about how he was my comforter and sitting in church and home groups and counseling, just crickets. Yeah. And so during that time, even having no faith left, what little commitment and mental fortitude for the thing called Christianity I had slowly atrophied and died. So here's a little bit of a personal uh, insight into me. A lot of people know that I used to be a musician. I was a, I was a singer. I was a singer. I was a child singer. Um, I was reasonably talented. Um, and so I, I 
sang. I became pretty well known as a Christian singer uh, in churches. Everybody always wanted to uh, hear that. Um, and I was a musician, though in my church, ironically enough, uh, we couldn't use musical instruments. It was all a cappella, so I learned irony. Uh, to use my voice, but I also learned to play a piano and oh, 10 or 15 other instruments <laughs> while, I was, while I was at it. Good gift, um, good gift of music and then refused yeah. to let you have yeah. it. <laughs> so Not ironic. There, there came a time, especially after my faith went, uh, that I made a conscious decision that I was no longer going to pursue music. And I, I had a moderate career in it. Um, I was no longer going to pursue music. I didn't want to be known as a singer anymore. Um, because all of my singing up to that point was associated with the religious. Uh, I... Uh, I built my voice on telling God how great he was. Uh, and there, there was such an association with that, uh, that I, I came to the decision. That wasn't the only thing, mind you, but I came to the decision that I don't want people to know me for my entertainment value. I want it people to listen to me because I had something to say. Uh, and I don't want to denigrate entertainers because I, I think we need entertainers who are competent at their craft. But I, I just chose for me, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to affect change in a more real way. And I also found that I couldn't sing and write music and perform without it being so associated with religion in my, in my own mind. It, I, I, I kind of rebelled against myself and I, I just couldn't do it anymore. So, you know, when he talks about, you know, the, the time he spent singing, you know, I don't know if he was actually uh, a singer or just, you know, someone who sang in the pew, but I, I just, that kind of triggered all that in me. And I wanted to just share that, uh, a little bit. I, I had a very different path laid out for me. Um, but that I that's another of what it robbed you of. I mean, you probably were, you know, talented singer and you could have enjoyed that. I was offered of a life. contract. It ruined it for you. It's, it's not, it's just not good enough, this this religion stuff, to, to wreck that kind of thing for people for life. Or, you know, means that you've got difficulty in in reconnecting with that aspect of you because it brings up too many memories of, uh, you know. But it's, it's just so sad that it, it wrecks all sorts of things like that for people. So when, again, sometimes that's why we're done with it and that's why we don't want to go revisiting these things. That's why we've given everything. And it's just like you can't see what would change in the future. It's like, I've done the begging. I've done the trying everything. I've done the clearing out of all my sins and all, you know, I've done them all and I just don't want to go back there. So don't give me this nonsense about real seekers because I've done it. The ship has sailed. It's gone. It's over. It's ruined too many things and we're human and we're going to have to rebuild a life in a different way. 
um, and this idea that you have to keep seeking in this area all the time is just nonsense. People are done with it. And I think he gets to that point as well at some point. He's just like, I'm done. I've I've looked at it. I've done. It's okay to call time. It's absolutely fine. Give yourself permission to call time, to move on and to, to build a different life. And if you one day come back to it for one reason in a different in stamps substantiation then then fine but you know don't worry about it so much anymore it's it's if there's a god he's bigger than all this nonsense but there's probably some form of theistic religion that i could get into i mean there's Mm. there's probably some form of it some version of it maybe it doesn't exist now but i'm theoretically uh one probably could exist you know i've i've done some thought experiments uh on this subject to to try to come up with a god i could believe in or uh assuming some type of deistic god some kind of religion that i could believe in i haven't been entirely successful uh in that but not entirely unsuccessful either and i i do think that there are varieties uh of religious thought that could be helpful and useful it's just that that's not the christianity that we know here let's uh, let's finish this up why it's easier to define it by what it isn't in terms of it's just not the conservative evangelical god where who's very condemning and sends you to hell and all those kind of things like there's no problem in just not believing in those things but anything else have you watched the um the episode of unbelievable this week with john stein Guard and Josh Porter, I think his name is. Uh, I have not, that? but uh, Steingarten, isn't he a deconvert from a music uh, ministry? Yeah, yeah okay. I, I profile guys that uh, deconverted, and it's it's an episode on deconversion. Very good episode that, uh, and the uh, Josh uh, Porter seems to be a very progressive, uh, well, both progressive and orthodox, which seems to be the two things that rub along. Uh, now to be a bit more trendy in the kind of Christian world, uh, you know, everyone's going, oh, yes, evangelical Christianity, let's put that behind us. Isn't that embarrassing? Oh, no, we don't believe that. We're deconverting from this. But now we're actually moving towards, you know, orthodoxy and what lots of beliefs are made from and uh, what Christianity drew from a great tradition. And mm-hmm. But I'm also progressive and LGBT affirming and all those things. So it kind of seems to be moving in that direction because it... Um, that that was the discussion and that's where they, they had a lot of common ground between the pastor who was still believing in it and John Steingard who's just like I'm done with all of it really so uh, yeah, yeah it's an interesting talk I'd recommend it and again Stein, Steingard says something very interesting to me personally but he says that once you believe these sort of situations you'll go either down probably one or the other quite you'll become more and more hard materialistic um, materialism in, in the um, metaphysical sense or you'll become more of an idealist and he's landed on panpsychism so uh yeah it seems to does it does cut both ways afterwards you tend to you know move one way or the other and um, maybe you come back to kind of floaty progressive type of beliefy christianity but you never go back to an evangelical christian yeah it, it's it happens think it, so seldom it, it's not that it never happens but it's very seldom it's very rare Really? I don't think you've properly deconverted if you go back to it. An evangelical conservative <laughs> Christianity within hell and heaven and Calvinism and all. Just no way. I don't think you yeah, can do it. It's, it's hard you to learn do. Nothing. 
nothing. You've learned nothing. You need to start again. Back to square one. Let's uh, let's finish up this particular story. Like I said, we've got another couple of weeks of it, and I think you're gonna actually enjoy where he goes uh, okay. after this. But um, yeah, there's 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 a lot to talk about here, which is one of the reasons I'm very interested in moving the conversation the conversation with capital C uh, more in this direction. I had not only lost faith, but I had lost the will to have faith. I had lost faith in faith. And it's just what you just said. And once that changed, lots quickly shifted, like a collapsing of a house of cards. I felt like I was holding together a broken glass by sheer exertion of the will. And once I stopped trying to force it, it finally broke, or rather, it was already broken, and I finally just succumbed to that fact and let the pieces fall where they would. I didn't care about being orthodox anymore, which means I stopped caring about being theologically consistent to that system, or more accurately, I no longer felt the severe need to believe something in order to be consistent with orthodoxy. Understandably, I found that those were apparently the only reasons I believed a lot of what I did the Trinity, the deity, Jesus, inspiration, inerrancy, judgment, hell, that the creator of all the universe would want the blood of bulls and goats and even his own son and an arcane ritual of appeasement for our sin brought on by a fruit and a single act of rebellious exploration and with seemingly cosmic significance thousands of years ago. Okay, so I am promise I'm trying to take bigger chunks. We're going to get through this. I, I just had to pause there for a moment uh, and say yeah i i remember when i came to this realization too that this is silly uh, <laughs> you know a lot of silly. a lot of the stuff that i believed as gospel truth and under underpinning the reality of the universe is just silly this whole garden of eden story i'm ashamed to this day that i ever mm. believed it how exactly. do people believe it well, you could believe it in the kind of it's an arc, archetype pool kind of story myth to, you know, you can believe it that way. So I think, again, you don't have to. That's not how it. I believed it. And I can guarantee you that's not how he believed it. We believed no, I know, it. No. <laughs> Come on. I know. But Christianity will end up, it'll all be loosey-goosey, it's all just a beautiful book, it's just sacred text. Snakes just, never it, talk. It they never walk. They never, this is they, not, wake no, up. No, I know. But that's where it's going to have to go to survive because everybody is deconverting, you know, week after week, high-profile deconversions to get magic out of this tree. Magic tree. Magic mushrooms. They ate the magic mushroom in the universe, Philip. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Which admittedly they had got the kind of saps the need for the resurrection also. So... All of it. Like Laplace retorted to Napoleon, I just have no need of it. Once my faith was gone, I just didn't care anymore, and it all just felt away. And then there was silence again. But not deafeningly loud silence like that of God's seeming disinterest. Peaceful silence. Yes. Mm -hmm. I honestly thought I would be sad or I'd miss it. It's what I had been scared of the quiet, but I just felt relieved, honestly. The struggle was over, like being called home from the front. Every time, It was yes. calming and tranquil even, cathartic and possibly a little 
invigorating. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, losing their faith is the thing that starts them down the road of finding themselves. And so it's understandably incredibly hard because they lose their faith and then have to go through the process. I was the opposite. I feel like I spent the last two years finding myself and healing from past trauma and being a man I truly love being. So losing my faith was the last thing to change. And it was more of a shedding off than a giving up. Some have asked me now what I do with Jesus, which I'm not sure to be honest in in all the ways. And I understand why they asked the question. It's a central question. I haven't worked it all out. And honestly, I'm somewhat apathetic to do so. I'm going to let the chips fall where they may as I explore this worldview. Even with that, as I explore and re-examine and think about what my worldview even is and entails these days, I know that I don't believe in the Trinity, the divinity of Jesus, or the atonement, or the resurrection. The concepts don't make sense to me anymore, and I think we're largely propped up by faith and the need to be orthodox and consistent within that system. Right. In other words, they never made sense. They never made sense. They don't make sense to Christians now. They're they're just knowledge points that Christians have and that they can say and repeat. No one understands the Trinity. <laughs> okay. Um, they, they talk about the difference between comprehension and apprehension. Um, you know, you apprehend it, but you don't understand it. Okay. Well, then you don't even really apprehend it. Um, you, it's, it's so ridiculous. And the moment you give up on trying to keep that house of cards standing, it just feels so much better. And you can just acknowledge, okay, that I don't understand it. Furthermore, I don't have to put any more muscular work to try to understand it or pretend to understand it. This is nonsense. It has always been nonsense. Uh, and I no longer have to, you know, try to hold on to mysteries. So this is, this is what he's saying. And he, he says, let the chips fall where they may. That's how you get, that's where you get to. And it's just like, I've had enough. It's done. And this is why this idea of real seeker that you have to continue picking at this scab and constantly looking at it again in different ways is just nonsense. People, there's another example of a human, it's not just me, uh, that just thinks, that's it, I'm done, I'm done, I've had, I've, this just doesn't make sense, I'm, I'm just finished. And it's okay to be there and you can be free and, and happy with that decision and that peace. It's totally give yourself permission to be there. Uh, you don't need to keep seeking forever. That's a nonsense idea. I, okay, don't get me started. <laughs> Even after my faith dropped and I felt the beliefs slipping away, I still chose to consciously affirm them. Again, Pascal's wager and viewing faith as a volitional activity and not purely a cognitive one drove that a little bit. And by the way, I, this is off the, off the cuff. I don't think that it's necessarily wrong to believe things in order to be consistent with an overall system that you think is true. So please don't take that as a negative argument. It's just that I no longer was there. Now, some of you will think that... What he's talking about is uh, the system of beliefs, this house of cards. And you say, well, because this, then this. Uh, you know, this this belief belongs in this, e- this broader mm-hmm. ecosystem of other yeah. beliefs. Uh, and so because I am in this ecosystem, 
I have to affirm each of these beliefs, even if I don't understand them and find them hard to, to explain. I, I know that these things are part of this belief ecosystem. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's when you let go of the ecosystem, you can let go of the beliefs that don't make sense that you were only holding because you were in that ecosystem. So that's, that's kind of where that was. I can give you an example of, of one of those for me, uh, it was homosexuality because I was very anti homosexuality, but I was only anti homosexuality because God hates fags. Uh, every, every Christian knows that, right? (laughs) At least they did in my communities. Um, not all. I, I hovered around in liberal communities as well, but um, the people that I grew up around that, uh, knew that, and that was the only reason. But I had thought about it uh, many times uh, in, in my young life, and I you know, asked myself, well, why does God hate facts? <laughs> what, what exactly is wrong with homosexuality? God hate facts is, by the way, a thing for those of you who are too young. Uh, Fred Phelps, there was a whole thing, look it up. Um, why is homosexuality so bad, though? I mean, I can see where some people would find it icky, but I don't see where anyone should find it evil. It it didn't it didn't make sense in that regard, and so I I remember fairly distinctively that one of the first things I let go of when I let go of Christianity was any animosity toward homosexuals or the idea of homosexuality. It's like, well, okay, I guess that's okay now <laughs> because, because I've left that ecosystem of beliefs. I don't need to hold on to that anymore. <laughs> no. Garden of Eden, Trinity, homosexuals, done. That's what you let go of yeah. in that order. <laughs> yeah. I was lying and then you start during that time. one. No, I, I never went that route. Uh, but yeah, there are actually a lot of people who walk away from religion and uh, who abstained from certain things only because of religion end up going down a, a very dangerous road because then they want to try all of the things that they abstain because they were never given a good reason to abstain. And, and let me just tell you, because God doesn't like it is not a good reason no. to abstain. If you want your children to abstain from certain things like drugs, for instance, don't tell them that they should abstain because God doesn't like it. Because when they stop believing in God, then they're going to go mm. to the drugs. You've got to give them a better, more sustainable reason than that. Mm-hmm. I'm. I don't think that I was, but I understand the reaction. But it's weird. For many, you think that I should stay committed and keep trusting in God by sheer will of power and going to church and praying even though I don't believe it anymore, which is exactly what I did. But for others, having done that, I was lying. Okay, this is this is what I talked about at the beginning. Uh, you know, so he's... For seven months, he conscientiously um, was without faith. And I understand that. And he was still going on shows and he was still towing the Christian line and he was still evangelizing and still doing all of this stuff. He was lying. It is true that he was lying. So I, <clears throat> I want to 
make it clear what I am supporting and what I'm not supporting. He was lying. Um, and I make no bones about that. When I was, uh, walking out the door, you know, it's a process. And I knew that the process had, you know, started long before I was walking out the door. I was preaching regularly though. Uh, I was, you know, administering the communion and, uh, praying and worship leading and all, all that. And there were people close around me who knew kind of where I was. And I, I changed the kind of preaching that I did. So I did the kind of preaching then that I could do now. I could, I could preach very biblical Christian friendly sermons now that actually don't have any religious content, uh, to them. And so I got pretty good at that sort of thing. Uh, I, I would probably make a good UU preacher. <laughs> so, um, I got, I got fairly good at that, but there came a time when I stopped, for instance, administering the Lord's supper. I couldn't say the words anymore. Mm. I'll say I didn't believe them. And I knew I didn't believe them. In fact, I had stopped taking the Lord's supper. I just let the tray pass by me. I'm sure people notice, but I just, no, I'm not going to do that because <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't have any meaning for me. I don't understand it. It's archaic. It's ridiculous. Uh, am I really forced to pretend to be drinking the blood of a, of a person who died? Is that, is that what we're doing here? Really? Am I, am I pretending that there are magic powers as associated with this pantomime? I'm not going to do it. I can't do it anymore. Um, when I was asked to pray before I stopped praying altogether, I would pray things like, well, you know, I would, I would let my doubts be known in my prayers. Um, I, I became pretty bold about that. And then eventually they still continue to ask me to pray. <laughs> and I just said, no, no, I'm not, I can't do it. Can't do it. Not going to do you gotta it. Take, you got to take yourself off like an elephant and die in, in a corner somewhere when this is happening. It's much better to do it yeah, <laughs> behind closed doors. I, I don't would, know how you might. I actually would walk out of uh, the services during the worship port of, portion of the service and I would sometimes sit in and listen to the sermon. But I just couldn't do it uh, anymore. I couldn't. Sing the stomach songs. It. Literally, you can't stomach it any longer. You just have to get out. Right, I but I, it was the, it was the hypocrisy that I couldn't do anymore. It wasn't just the content. It was the pretending like I'm still a part of this. Mm. And, and I couldn't encourage someone else to do it by my participation because I was viewed as a leader there. And so... You know, my doing these things would encourage other people to do these things. I just couldn't do it anymore. And so I really wish that Tyler here had gone down that kind of path. Uh, and I, I think that there are paths that you can go down that do not force you into hypocrisy. But I will, the, where I am willing to forgive him a bit for this is before. Before you get to where I was, where I couldn't do it, you have to get to where he was, where you made yourself do it. Mm -hmm. And so you exactly. didn't, you didn't believe it, but you still let the prayers. You didn't believe it, but you still let the worship. You didn't believe it, but you still, uh, did the 
the preaching. You still taught the classes. You didn't believe it, but, and there's that place, that transitional place uh, where you find themselves. And, and the thing that I would say about Christians and Christianity is that Christians, Christian leaders always find themselves in a valley of doubt. You know, at some point they find themselves in a valley of doubt. That does not mean that they take a sabbatical. Uh, a lot of preachers don't have a sabbatical option. You don't preach, you don't get paid. <laughs> so um, you don't, you don't uh, not teach that Bible class that you're tapped to teach just because this morning you woke up with some doubts. That is, that is simply not how the reality of church work works. And so you find yourself in a position where you have to continue for a while and you have to find that transitional point where you can transition out of it. Uh, Drew Sokol, do you remember Drew Sokol? Yeah, didn't he do a Hiding in Plain Sight? I, he did Hinge with Corey. Hinge, yeah. Yeah, with uh, Corey, what's his name? Uh, but Drew, um, I got a chance to have him uh, on the show. Uh, his story so touched me. I never had the experience that he had, but he talks about, you know, preaching at a, a big church in, I think it was New York. And um, it, he was uh, tapped to preach that day. And he was up there and, you know, he'd been preaching for a while. He was up there and he looks around and he's, you know, in mid speech and he just gets sick. Uh, nauseous to the point of not being able to go on and he leaves the pulpit. And I missed that. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, he just physically couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. I understand uh, that that would you know when you get to that place. Uh, mm. So you you still you still have this responsibility. Uh, your employer mm. still is expecting you to do your damn job, <laughs> and and you can't just say, "Well, this morning I woke up and I didn't feel it, so I'm not going to do it." You can't do that with mm. any job, right? Um, that's that's not. That's actually not the most integrity-filled thing that you could do. But, but Drew had pushed himself to the point where he physically and emotionally literally couldn't do it. And Tyler here, even though he went through a period of seven months of sheer hypocrisy, this was a longer transition period than maybe for most people. But mm -mm. it is common to have a transition period where you don't believe, but you're still doing the things that you did. Yeah. And, and if you don't understand that, you were never in a position of high enough responsibility uh, to understand it. Uh, but when you, when you have that responsibility, you just can't quit cold turkey because you're having a bad faith moment. Um, so it's, it's not reasonable 
to expect him to have done it. And he was, in fact, doing all of the things that the people around him would have told him to do, to, to keep doing it, to keep praying it, uh, you know, to, to do your show, but to, but to pray for more faith. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give this, the devil a toehold in your life by stopping. He did all of that, and he was faithful to that. And so I do think that even though he was a lying hypocrite, he was the kind of lying hypocrite that Christianity forced him to be. And every one of us goes through that period. Once again, it may not be that long, but we all go through the same kind of period. Yeah, I think the transition period was at least at 11 months for me where I think you're still swimming in that water. It's only when people ask you to, you know, lead an alpha group because I don't know if you've got those alpha groups, but they're like basic Bible conversion, Nicky Gumble from the Holy Trinity. It's a big thing in the UK, basically, alpha. Um, and uh, it's only then that when people started saying, can you lead one of those? And I was just like, do you know what? No, because I don't even know what it is I believe. And you just you sit on the sidelines for a very long time. But if you've got a, a podcast going, what do you do? You can't just turn it off. You don't, you don't know if you're just having a week-long, month-long crisis of faith. You might come back to it. But it's just... I don't, I don't have an issue with him faking it for a while. He probably was faking it to, to make it, and you, you have to do that, that, that part of it. Right. It's not, it's not that binary. You don't. It's uh, the flick switching is now for him. It's not before. Right. Um, right. It, the, the switch flicking the switch is, is not a flick. It's a very slow process. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. uh, and eventually the light is off, but. Um, I, you know, it's, it's very slow. It's more, it's less a switch and more of a dimmer. Um, mm -hmm. Eventually you realize, yeah, there's no more light now. All right, let's finish mm -hmm. up. By the way, that's just another thing you Christians should probably put some thought into smoothing out that inconsistency. So Jesus, in short, if I had to go with the classic Lewis trilemma taxonomy, I'd probably put him in the lunatic category, but not actually a lunatic, not a crazy person because that term is far too strong and negative and almost creates a false dichotomy that you either think he was right or a crazy person or lying and he should be locked up. It's just that I don't think he was Lord, but I also don't think he was intentionally lying. So the only category that allows for sincere and a good man and wise and maybe even gifted, but not the Lord is lunatic. In that time and place, there were many people who believed religion. they were divine, and Jesus may have been wrong about his calling and origin, but that doesn't mean, I think, that he was Looney Tunes or worthy of a padded cell, or that he was just lying for power or wealth or something. He was a good man who exhorted people to good living and care for the outcasts. The significance of that to life and world history cannot be overstated. At the end, I think the closest I have is that Jesus is an enigma. He defies clean classification, and that's okay. I just don't feel the need to resolve that puzzle anymore. But to the disappointment of many of you, I no longer believe that he was the divine son of God or savior of my sins or is coming back on the clouds one day. So that's where I am right now. I don't have it all figured out or even most of the answers tied together in a neat bow. And I'm really truthfully content with that. I love my life and the people in my life. And if there is one thing I have learned through all of this, 
is that those who love me will continue to do so, whether I'm religious or not. I used to worry what people thought and I would hide how I felt and what my struggles were. Worried people would abandon me if they knew what lay within. But I found as I committed to never hiding, always being truthful and being upfront with my thoughts and my needs and fears, that my relationships with family and friends grew stronger and sweeter and more authentic. I learned I do not need to worry about losing the ones I love because love, real love, is malleable. It's resilient. It changes and grows with us as we find new ways to keep loving each other endlessly. For the, so for those who are asking and trying to reconcile it all, you honestly don't need to. It's my journey, truthfully, not yours. You don't need to fight for me or defend me as some of you have, although I appreciate the care and I understand, but you don't need to mourn for me. Again, I understand why you, some of you are. Some of you want to know what my beliefs are nowadays. And again, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure everything that I do or will believe, but it's become obvious what I don't. Though I don't entirely know what to do, as I said with Jesus, it's not going to be filtered through with the Trinity or the hypostatic union or Lord and Savior. The tools aren't going to be in the inerrant scriptures or prayer. And who knows, if the universalists and the free grace folks are right, then there's nothing to fear anyways. Though fear has never really been a strong theological motivator for me, and maybe that's the problem. I don't know. I know that open theism is still nonsense, and so is atheism. <clears throat> As I said, I still believe in God. I still see no defeater for the arguments of classical theism or even tag or the grounds of rationality, still compatibilists. But all of that's more akin to a kind of humanistic ethical theism. I also don't think the Bible teaches, or sorry, I also think uh, that the Bible teaches what I previously believed that it taught. I just don't believe it's true anymore. But I believe the Bible teaches what the Reformer said it does. Again, I lost my faith, not my ability uh, or my mind to objectively read texts. I even still think that it's beautiful and significant and meaningful to values in society. And that's about the most I can say right now. So who knows? But likely my religion will be love and family and humanity and exploration and enjoyment of life, and which honestly seems more beautiful and open and even kind of magical to me now than it ever had before. It's real and crunchy, and I'm looking forward to every drip and drop of it. I, excuse me, I appreciate the love and care of so many of you and know you all mean well. But many of you, again, seem to think that there's something right now in my current context that I struggle and that we can talk it through and my faith will be restored. Unfortunately, I'm on the other side of the hurricane now and my Christian ship is already tragically lost at sea. I swam and survived, but that wreckage is now in my past. I finally appreciate Henley's words as cliche as it may be for deconversion stories. Some will call them autonomy or pride, and I honestly get that from their view now. But I feel the weight and majesty of them like never before. Henley wrote, It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Thank you all for the years of love and support, and I hope that this does not negatively impact anyone's own journey as they explore their faith for themselves. I'm not trying to take anyone down with me by any means, nothing like that. I love you all, and for the last year, I'm finally walking comfortable and confident in my own self. This will likely be the first, the last, and therefore the only content I make in this 
autobiographical sense. It's not. And I look forward to getting back to making content about substantive issues, likely on some of the topics that did lead to my deconversion, but not about my deconversion itself. I hope many of you will stick around for that, but I understand if you don't. But for now, this is me. Hi, nice to meet you again. Much love. All right. Um, Hello. What I'm about to say has been. All right. Um, so I, I had one closing thought and uh, I will let you have uh, the, the last word. I said earlier, there's no need to piece all of the stuff that you had in religion back together again in except secular instead of religion. And this is part of what I'm talking about. You know, um, he, his, his sign off, uh, of, you know, what he believes is you know, peace and love and family and good community. You know, that's, that's religion enough and you don't have to replace all of those other broken pieces. Um, it's not necessary and unless it is necessary for you, but, um, one of the things that Christians have asked me over the years by way of challenge is, you know, what, what do I replace it then with then? What do I believe? You know, and he's, He's saying he doesn't know what he believes. I've, I've been asked the same question. I, I guess I might believe some things, but I don't have a worldview. This infuriates Christians when I say this. I honestly do not have a worldview. Uh, because to me, a worldview is just like Christianity. It's, it's this house of cards that you build that ensures you that secures you in the idea that you've got the answers to life's important questions. I don't have the answers to life's important questions. I don't even think that life has any important questions to be perfectly honest with you. And I've let go of everything, including the notion that I need to have the answers to anything. I don't, I'm very comfortable with saying, I don't know about a lot of things. And so in Christian debates, you know, the, something like the origin of the universe, you know, if God didn't do it, then what is your explanation? Well, I'm not a physicist. I don't have one. That doesn't mean that I have to believe in your God. I don't need a an opposing worldview that gives me the answer to this question that may not even be valid for all I know. I don't, I don't need it. I don't have to pretend to know anything about the origin of the universe. And so if your big push for conversion is that you at least have some kind of answer and I don't, you're going to lose. It's, it's wasted time for you. I don't have an answer and I don't need an answer. The question isn't even relevant to me.
I do not go through my day-to-day life uh, looking at the tasks that I have in front of me, wondering how the universe began. <laughs> it, is, it is simply a non-issue. And if that's kind of where you plant the flag for your God, I think you're planting it in the wrong place. And there aren't a lot of people that you're going to convince simply because they don't know. Listen to this well. Just because you don't know the answer to a question doesn't mean that the other person's answer is correct. Okay. I can epistemically look at your answer and say, I don't think I buy that. That doesn't make sense. And I don't have to have a better answer to do it. I can say, I don't know. And you should say that you don't know. And that doesn't diminish me. And it only diminishes you to the extent that you have a house of cards built on a worldview that you have to maintain and you have to pretend to have all the answers. It is so freeing to know that you don't have all the answers and that you don't have to pursue them. And you can just pursue life. I like having pets because they remind me that life can simply be lived. And you don't have to run yourself into insanity by trying to figure out how many stars there are in the sky or how they got there. You can just look at them and bay at the stars and the moon and live your best life. No God required. Sarah, the last word is so that, Yeah, so that's what you meant by no worldview. I think most people don't understand what they what you mean by that because in that case totally agree with you and i think you've articulated it well but you can just be and you can you know not have the answers to everything i mean it should not come as a shock that my knowledge gaps are wide and far-reaching in most areas and um and that's okay and it's okay not to know it all and i don't know why these people think they're going to figure it out you know, we've had millennia of people trying to figure these things out you're probably not going to be the guy that does it. So just be, just just enjoy. And um, But I didn't realize that's what you meant by worldview. So I've learned something tonight and uh, and, that, and I totally agree. Um, just be, just just experience and, and uh, rest in God's love. No, 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 not that, not that. <laughs> <laughs> in the God of your choosing or your making. And, uh, and with that next week, next week, another member of the four, I believe it is, I don't want to say, I'm going to have to look at my list. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's one of the fab four and you, I'm just trying to remember the order Okay, I don't want to say because I might get it wrong, and then and then I'll uh, offend one of uh, the esteemed uh, members of the four. I think it's Matt uh, next week. It's either Matt or our very own 
Brian with a Y. Uh, a big come down for Matt since he's just appeared on Unbelievable, uh, but I'm sure he'll gracious, gracious with his presence. I'd like to think it's a step up for Matt. Uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's stepping up to Skeptics and mm-hmm. Seekers. He's, he's become worthy of uh, 4S. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I sure okay. hope he's not listening to any of this. I'm, I'm editing this out. <laughs> <laughs> I I aspire to have a show that is actually worthy of Matt and uh, worthy of the people who have agreed to uh, be a part of it. Uh, so with that, we will uh, we will see you next time. Bye bye. Goodbye. All right.